So uh, we're continuing our celebration of discipline. We don't know if you've noticed, if you've been going with through with the book, you, you've noticed this because uh, Richard Foster, the author, breaks it up in this way. The first uh, four we started with are what he calls the inward disciplines, and those are prayer, fasting, study, and meditation. Those are, th- are, are disciplines that, that are inwardly focused. The next four are outward disciplines. That's solitude, submission, um, simplicity, and service. But today we're going to move into what are called the corporate disciplines. And corporate disciplines are those that are practiced with, to, and among the body of Christ. So this is for, that are, that are for all of us. Uh, there were these four pastors, they were from a conservative, uh, traditional background church, and they met for a friendly gathering, they met a- every week, and, and during the conversation, one of the preachers said to the others, he said, you know, our people come to us, and they confess their needs, they confess their sins, we should do the same, because confession is good for the soul, and it's good for our soul as well, and they discussed that for a little while, and finally they decided they would do that, and so the first guy gets up, and he confessed that he liked to go to R-rated movies and would sneak off away from the church to do that, kind of away so that nobody from the church would see him. The second one confessed to liking to smoke cigars on his back porch, and but he, he'd do it in a, really in a hidden way that, so that his conservative congregation wouldn't catch him. The third one confessed that he liked to play cards. In fact, he, he liked to gamble is really what he liked to do. And and as they're going through, they, they, they got to the fourth one, and he and he wouldn't confess. He just kind of looked at him. He said, come on now, you have to, we confess to you, you need to confess to us, and he wouldn't do it. What's your vice? And finally he he gave up, and he he said, it's gossiping, and I can't wait to get out of (laughs) here. See, confession is often viewed from that fear-based perspective. If I tell you, then it's going to come back and I'm going to face rejection and, and, and people are going to find stuff out about me and, and it's going to have a negative impact on me. So we keep secrets. We conceal things uh, instead of confess them. And by the way, this has been going on a long time. Some of y'all know, what did Adam and Eve do once they ate the fruit? They hid. The, their first response <laughs> did, wasn't to go to God, wasn't to confess. It was we're going to go hide from the all-seeing, all-powerful, omnipotent God, and he surely won't be able to find us with our fig leaves over in the corner. <laughs> but that was their first response, was to conceal and to hide. That's in our nature. But let me say this, it's not healthy. It's not a good thing when we go and do that. In, in the book, Foster tells a, uses this statement. He says that confession involves an objective change in our relationship with God, and a subjective change in us, an objective change in our relationship with God, but an internal subjective change in us. It's a means of healing. It's a means of transformation in the inner spirit. Confession has and always will be an integral part of our healing and growth as followers of Jesus Christ. I went to this retreat once, and, and, and there was a time uh, dur- over the course of, of, of that retreat, uh, there was a time for confession, and, and I really didn't know what that was going to be like, but I will tell you that something happened in the midst of that that was unanticipated, because God did something. When we're willing to, to put ourselves out there, then God will move in, in powerful ways. Confession is even a part of, of our salvation. It's part of our redemption. And it's both an event 
and the process. And this, they want to talk some about tensions in our faith. See, we say yes to Jesus, and that's called justification or justifying grace or conversion or being born again. It has all these names when we say yes, but it doesn't just end there, right? This kicks us into a different process, a new process of sanctification where we're, Paul, Paul wrote that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We have a part to play in it, and that's sanctification, sanctifi- sanctifying grace, and the Wesleyan tradition is, comes into play there. See, we're in a journey to set apartness. When we talk about holiness, I'm using a lot of churchy words this morning, right? But holiness just means that we're set apart for the work of God. And, and that in that set apartness that we're called to, that this sanctification is a part of that. That's why we continue to grow and we continue to learn and we continue to seek him in all that we do. We're supposed to be in the world, but... Right. So we are... Say, say it with me. We are to be... That's right. We are supposed to be in the world. You know, too many churches nowadays are not even in the world. They're in the church. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And that's where we need each other. Because the world's going to try and make us more world. And, and we need to be in that world, but, but we need each other to help us to walk fully in, into, into the calling that God has for each, each of us. And you might say that confession isn't confession a grace and not a discipline. And that's, there's tensions that are very common in our faith, and this is one of them. Because the answer to that, if you were to ask the question, is, is confession a grace or a discipline? You know the answer, right? Yes. It's a grace and a discipline. It's both. Foster said this. He said, unless God gives, and I like this very, very much. He, he did a great job with this. Unless God gives the grace, no genuine confession can be made but it is also a discipline because there are things that we must do. It's a consciously chosen course of action that brings us under the shadow of the Almighty. So yes, it's God's grace, but we also have a part in it. Well, that sounds like it's a private matter then. Shouldn't that just be between me and God? Well, yes. But it's more than that. This is another one of those both ends. Sometimes it is between the individual and God. We're going to experience that a little bit later in the service. 1 Timothy 2.5 would be the passage that we look to for that. For there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. But sometimes it follows another pattern that's found in James 5.16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. So is it individual? Yes. Is it corporate? Yes. It's both and. And probably the biggest both and of them all is about salvation. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's Paul. But if you go a little further and and you look at James, what does he say? He says, faith without works is dead. So, Am I saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone can boast? Or is it faith without works is dead? Which, yes, it's both. 
Both, see, there's a tension in our journey, and I'm encouraging us all to embrace that. See, that embra- by embracing the tension, we will dive deeper. Because it's like, okay, what's that about, God? Help me. Because you're not going to put things in conflict with, uh, with each other because you are a God of order. So what are you trying to teach me with this? That's who God is. But know that those tensions are healthy and they're good and they allow us to, to move to, to new places in our journey. Uh, Foster talks about an experience that he had of confessing to another person the things that in his life that needed a healing touch from Christ. Um, it reminded me very much as a recovering person of steps four and five in, in, in the 12-step program. Four is make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And five is to admit to God, to ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And I've been on both sides of that confessional process. And when you are the one who is giving the confession, it's a little scary because what's this person going to do with that? But when you're on the other side, it's very humbling. Both sides are humbling. But it's humbling to have someone come to you with their deepest, darkest stuff. And it's an honor to be a part of that process. The opening up of the soul in vulnerability leads to a restoration that only comes through confession and through that process. But hear this, because this is critically important. Confession of this type must be undertaken with a safe, trustworthy person. We need safe people in our lives in order to, to be vulnerable enough for that restoration to take place. St. Alphonsus Liguori. Liguori said this. He said, for a confession, three things are necessary. An examination of the conscience, which is that that examination process. Uh, Sorrow, which is the beginning of repentance. And a determination to avoid sin, which is turning from or repenting. Now, I would add to that list that he has also a confidential listener and reflector. That you need a confidential listener and reflector. Broken trust leads to uh, a return to that old nature of hiding stuff. You know? So we've got to be able to trust folks uh, with, our, with what we're sharing with them. A few weeks ago, I, I made a, uh, a note about a word, a transition word. It was therefore. Because when you see therefore in Scripture, then pay attention. One is you might want to reread what you just read because <laughs> that has to do with where it's going. But therefore is one of those uh, transition words is that, that helps us when we study. Uh, this morning I'm going to do a, another one. It's if, then. And the then isn't always there, but the if is. If you see if, you're generally going to see something in that next sentence that, to pay attention to. And our passage this morning is John, out of John chapter, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. So here are these if, thens. Uh, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, then we lie and do not live in the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, then we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. 
It's a series of if. If this happens, then expect this statements. The one I want to spend the rest of this morning on is, is verse, uh, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if is a word of choice. You know, it doesn't say when you confess. It doesn't say you must confess. It says if, which puts the ball back in our court. It's up to us whether we're going to live this confessional kind of life. And it's for all of us. If we, it's not just if you or if I, it's if we. It's for everybody. It's for ministers and lay people. It's for, for all genders, all races. Churchgoers, pre-Christians, doesn't matter. If we confess, which is to come to God and admit that we've, that we've made some mistakes and to take responsibility for those. If we confess our sins. Sin, it comes from a Greek word, hamartia, which is an archery term, and it means to miss the mark. So if the perfect will of God is the bullseye, and I shoot for that bullseye, and I miss it, and I just miss it by this much. I mean, I'm close. What happens if, if that arrow were to keep going? It would continue to move further and further from the will of God. And that's why we need to confess, so that if I miss the mark and I confess it, God will draw me back to the mark. He'll bring me back to the will of God. He'll bring me back in line with where he would have me to be. And that's the practice of confession. It's not a once and done deal. It's a daily discipline. It's when we acknowledge that, that, we're, that we fall short sometimes, that we don't always do what we're supposed to do. We take personal responsibility. Confession humbles us. It shows us who we are and it shows us who God is. It shows us whose we are. The song, Who Am I? It points to who am I among all that God has created. And yet at the end, at the end of the verse, and you told me who I am, I am yours. You are God's. You are God's. And I am God's. Don't let the world steal that from you. You hear me say that a lot because it needs reinforcing. The world's going to try and take it from you. Don't. Your identity is child of God. Daughter of the king, son of the king. That's who you are. And this confessional process helps us to learn and to hang on to that. It allows God to change us. allows God to move in our hearts and our lives in powerful, powerful ways. See, he's got the toolbox to fix the things, the sinful things in our life. If you're going to hammer in a nail, do you use tweezers? No. Why? It won't work. If you're going to deal with sin in your life, what tool you got? Who's got the tools? God has the tools. So we go to him and we confess our sins. And he gets out his toolbox. And he's got the big hammer. So he can take out, he can take this sin out of our life. He can transform us. He can make us new. See, at the heart of God is the desire to give and to forgive. The heart of God is the desire to give and to forgive. John 1.12, to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. All they had to do was to trust him 
to save them. Who saves them? He saves them. Who saves you? He saves you. You don't save yourself. Do you have a part to play? Yes, we do the next right thing, and, and we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Faith without works is dead, but you are saved by, by, by grace through faith alone. You know, all of that comes together in a beautiful package when we live into both aspects of the calling. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And that's God's nature. It's the unfolding of this redemptive plan that he has for all of us. It's his purpose in sending his son to, to the cross so that his grace can be available for all of us. And confession sets that free. And confession is about being free. All of these disciplines are about being set free. Confession is how that happens. I read a story this week about a shoplifter and and they were trying to get their life back together, and they were trying to make restitution, so they sent a note to the department store that they had stolen from with a check for $100 and said, you know, I just wanted to make amends for, you know, having stolen from you. I've been having trouble sleeping at night. And at the, at the bottom, it had a P.S. that said, and if I still can't sleep, I'll send the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Confession sets us free. The solution to guilt is to openly confess our sins to God. I want to say something about guilt and shame. The easiest way that I can explain guilt and shame to you, and, uh, and from a Christian standpoint, it's conviction and condemnation. But mis guilt is that I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Who in here makes mistakes? Yeah, and you feel guilty when you do that, and, and you, you get conviction from the Lord who wants to draw you back to the perfect will of God. That's a good thing. Nothing wrong with guilt. Shame is, I am a mistake. Who in here is a mistake? You better not. No, you are not a mistake. But shame lies to us and tells us, I am a mistake. And that's condemnation. And Romans 8.1 is very clear. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what that means is that if you are experiencing shame and condemnation, that is not from God. Rebuke it. It's straight out of hell. Don't let that guide take you anywhere. Guilt helps us. Shame debilitates and, 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 and locks us up and binds us. Confession cleans all that up. Confession sets us free. He wants to set us free. He wants us to live free. So, so his, God, his word tells us that when we do this, if we confess our sins, that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and that means a complete cleansing. And today, this morning, I want to encourage you that there, there is a cleansing awaiting you. So right now, where you are, if you'll just kind of settle in, it's going to be just between you and God. I want you to reflect for just a moment. You can bow your head, you can close your eyes, whatever posture it'll take for you to draw near to God and allow Him to make visible to you what He sees. First, reflect on your life. Are there things in your life that you need to confess 
to the Lord today. Maybe it's something that you've done that has plagued you, that you've been feeling guilty about for a long time. Maybe it's an attitude or a judgment. Maybe you've wrestled with feelings and anger and those kinds of things. Reflect on your life. What do you need to confess to God today? And then think about and reflect on your circles of influence. Maybe it's a spouse, boyfriend or girlfriend, your children, co-workers, friends, fellow students. Are there any actions, attitudes, judgments, emotions that you need to confess to God today that have been sinful towards others. And reflect on our church. Throughout our years of ministry, have there been actions or activities or attitudes or judgments or emotions that we need to confess to God today and ask forgiveness for. Maybe it's towards another denomination. Maybe it's towards political leaders in our city, in our state, in our country. Maybe it's towards our own denomination and its leadership. As a church, have there been moments that were not reflective of Jesus. And whatever things come to mind, I want to give you some time this morning to confess those to God. So simply in your mind and your spirit, list out those confessions that came to you And over the next few minutes of worship, let me encourage you to share those with our Heavenly Father. He is ready to cleanse. He is ready to set us free. So while we sit and reflect, or stand and sing, or come to the altar, or pour out your heart before God, unleash the power of confession in your life. we confess our sins, he is indeed faithful and just. And he will forgive your sins. And most importantly, he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So take a moment now as the band sings.